Now, I want to bring in my pal Kevin O'Leary, chairman of O'Leary Ventures, uh, famed Shark Tank participant. He's called Mr. Wonderful. He's an old friend of mine. He's been on this show many times in the past, and we welcomed him back to the new TV show last week. By the way, Kevin O'Leary, the ratings that you and I had when I tried to talk you into buying uh, Silicon Valley Bank, the ratings for that segment were fabulous. <laughs> Absolutely. Larry, I, I got so many calls from people saying, hey, listen, really putting a syndicate together? I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> Pro- probably 15 calls. My guys are just swarmed. <laughs> My own guys call me and say, what the stuff you're doing with Larry? What is this? <laughs> we don't know about it. What's really uh, interesting, Larry. What, if anything, have you learned, or what, if anything, how, if anything, your thoughts advanced or progressed about this uh, so-called banking crisis with this Silicon Valley Bank and now the First Republic Bank. Give us your thinking, state of play. Since we last talked, the narrative shifted quite a bit. Um, What people are beginning to realize about, uh, let's just take Silicon Valley Bank first, Uh, very, very um, regional in the sense it was started to service that economy 40 years ago. And, you know, its own policy and how management ran the bank are under scrutiny now for obvious reasons. But if you're sitting in Texas or if you're sitting in Florida where I am, um, at the beginning this narrative was you've got to save this bank because it's going to take down the whole banking system. Well, people don't feel that way this Saturday morning anymore, Larry. Mm-hmm. They feel that this was a bank run by idiots and should be dead. Mm-hmm. And there's a process in place to liquefy any assets. If the brand has any value, I personally think it doesn't, it will be acquired. But the brands now of things like Signature Bank and First uh, Republic and Silicon Valley Bank, they are now associated with um, incompetent management. And so let's take this case where we've put in billions of dollars from money center banks to prop up federal um, – sorry, First Republic. Now, do you, do you think ever again that a CFO in a corporation to tell his board, I'm going to put our assets into First Republic – it's, it's it's a zombie bank, and we have evidence of this, and I know you know this. Credit Suisse has been a zombie bank for 19 years mm-hmm. because nobody will put the majority of their net worth in there because it's been tainted. The brand is broken. The same thing happens as soon as you lose confidence in a brand. It's over in banking. It's all based on trust. Now, is it because of idiot management and competency? It has to be because the reason these banks get in trouble is the people that make daily decisions on what to do with the assets and the deposits made the wrong decisions. They're mm. not good bankers. Mm. And, you know, that's so, – so for me, people tell me, well, don't you think we should save First Republic? No, mm. I don't think we should. I, I think it should go down. You know, it's like someone resting on their deathbed. It doesn't matter how much you care and love them. It's over. There comes a time, and this brand is now tainted forever. And it will – it doesn't go down this next week or the week after. You can pump another $30 billion into it. It is going to zero, Larry. It will eventually go to zero. You know, on that point, well, two things. Number one, as you know, the holding company declared bankruptcy, so that's one thing. But also, Kevin O'Leary um, – there's been a lot of criticism uh, directed at the bond portfolio, which was the proximate cause of the problem of owning long-duration bonds without knowing how to manage long-duration 
risk. But what about the loan portfolio? There's been a lot of criticism uh, that this was kind of a rogue bank. It had a lot of ESG loans. It had a lot of climate loans. It had a lot of, you know, diversity, equity, uh, inclusion loans by companies that weren't really companies and didn't have any cash flow. I mean, the loan value assets uh, haven't really received much attention, but that could be a big problem. It's coming up. That the scrutiny on the actual portfolio, up to 9% of the loans had no way of paying back the principal, the principal unless they were refinanced outside of that bank. And so that's a very scary portion of the book. But this really speaks to the point of incompetent management. There's no question about that. Your whole job is to market, to market your book every 48 hours. 24 hours in a bank to see where any breakage or slippage is occurring and adjust accordingly. That is your role as the CEO, as the management, as the CFO. All of the officers in that bank were really bad. And this is, it's so harsh to say this, but I've been saying it all week. Yet managers. And the, the system, our system that has worked so well and built this economy up so well over hundreds based on culling out the idiots. You have to let them go, and then you have to get rid of them. Mm. And the system does it. They go bankrupt. But in this really perverse situation, we're flying in money from good managers to give more money to bad managers. Mm. Why are we doing that? And then there's the whole question about whether we need these regional banks in the first place. You and I touched on that this week on television. Mm. And I think that's somewhere we can talk about, because there is a shining example of success on regional banking. It's in a state that no one ever looks at. It's called North Dakota, the only state in the union with its own sovereign bank. It manages its own risk mm. for 100 years, more than 100 years. 20, in 1919, this bank was put together, mm. and it manages the local branches of other banks in the state of North Dakota. Wow. That's how you do it, right. because they're responsible for themselves. Kevin, let me take a quick break. We're going to try to clear up the connection with the phone call. Kevin, what's this impact going to be, the bank impact on the stock market? on the economy, on the Federal Reserve? What kind of stuff are you thinking about? Well, let's talk about equity values of banks now, whether it be the regionals or the money centers. Um, we're going to have tremendous pressure on stock prices. There's been a lot of optimism. You could buy J.P. Morgan and get a deal, and you've done nothing except lose money trying that. It's like picking up a falling knife, and here's why. You don't know how deep the new regulatory environment is going to be, the tonality of that regulation. And the first place to look at the regional level, let's start there, where those stocks have been crushed, is that most people anticipate the regulators requiring more liquidity. In other words, more cash on hand. Now, when you have to keep cash on hand in a regional bank, you're not loaning it out. You're not making any money. So there's going to be tremendous pressure on profits there. Mm. And so if you think about how regional bank management gets compensated, it's stock options primarily. You come into the banking system, and there's good managers there. They're not all idiots, but they're basically compensated long-term on the stock price. And every once in a while, and certainly this has been the case, you know, in, in Silicon Valley Bank is the shining example of this, you really start swinging for the fences with really stupid strategies to do anything in your power to push the stock prices up. And as a result, you blow the bank up. And this is going to keep happening to some percentage of the regionals. And so this punitive regulatory environment that will be coming shortly will put pressure on the PEs or the, you know, the ratios at which they trade against the index a lot. I believe banking will trail the index now for the next decade. Mm. So you can allocate. But if you under-allocate to banks, you're probably going to outperform. Mm. Interesting. 
Um, you were saying you hinted at this on the TV show. You mentioned it a moment ago in the first segment. You don't think the regionals are necessary. Well, here's why I say that. If you look at these franchises, most of them were founded, and this is again the case for Silicon Valley Bank, 40 years ago, 40, 50, 60 years ago. And at that time, it made total sense to have regional banks because the economies were different in different geographies in the country. Agro, ag might have been something important in, in the you know, mid-states like North Dakota, South Dakota, technology in California and Massachusetts. And so the bankers there had to kind of fit the tonality of the economy. And that made sense. Today, that is completely not the case because all banking now, whether it be corporate or personal, 99% of the transactions are done online. Mm. You're agnostic to where the bank is. And so is there a reason for a regional bank? The only one you can claim makes sense is to show that 40% of commercial real estate is held by regional banks, some regions up to 60%. But that makes no sense now because you can also finance the value of real estate from an open, wide online market, including commercial and residential. Rocket Mortgage is an example. You don't even know where they're headquartered. Many people get their mortgages online with something like that, a service like that. I have no idea. I have no idea where they're from, actually. It's like these car companies online. I have no idea where they're from. So, Larry, then I ask you this question. And this, I was downstairs at my local bodega, you know, I support here in, in Miami Beach. And the guy I know very well that owns it says to me, let me get this right, Kevin. You're telling me that my money, my personal net worth, because I am a taxpayer, and one way or another, I'll be paying to bail these banks out in California. Why does an idiot manager in California take my money when I'm working hard to keep my family afloat here in Florida? I didn't have an answer for him, Larry. That's a hell of a good question. He's right. He's absolutely right. Well, I think they made a big mistake uh, expanding that um, deposit insurance. And I think that it was a bigger mistake for uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen or Biden or anybody to say the taxpayers aren't going to pay for it because taxpayers are not as stupid as some political people think they are. So they saw right through that. But what about the Kevin, go down another notch. Does it matter to have these uh, smaller, smaller community banks, you know, where the argument has always been, they know the local small businesses better. They know the local farm businesses better. They know the local people better. Do we need community banks? 50% of those local businesses in some states even more are using online factoring for their receivables. Mm-hmm. They're going into the open online market to finance receivables. Even dentists do that. Even dry cleaners do that. So that's a fallacy as well. Look, I don't have a problem if a state wants to support local regional banks. Hmm. They've got to move to the North Dakota model. North Dakota says, look, we'll put the faith of of our state and all its assets, which are very considerable, into a sovereign bank. Hmm. It's our bank. We don't need the feds telling us what to do because we're going to take care of our own people in our own state, and we will support regional banks in Bismarck or Fargo because we want them there for whatever reason, but it's our money in our state for our taxpayers. Mm. That way, the guy downstairs here in Miami Beach doesn't have to sweat bullets for a regional bank in Fargo because that system works. Mm. It's extremely well managed. The sovereign bank has been successful since 1919. Mm. No idiot managers there. So why don't we look at that model Go talk to Governor Burgum or either the senators. Those mm. guys have it right. Mm. They control their own destiny, and they're very, very independent that way. 
That's and fascinating. We need, to, we need to move to a state. That if, if, you, if you're a politician in any state and you want to have regional banks, you eat them. Mm. They're yours. I got to ask Ke- really think- Kevin Kramer, one of the senators, a very dear friend of mine. Actually, they're both friends, John Hoven, too. That's fascinating. I didn't know that, to be honest with you. So that's Nobody a, knows really, it. That's North really Dakota has the fourth fastest GDP per capita growth in the country. Well, I knew that. I, I know how hot the state is, uh, a lot of it because of the fracking and the oil and gas. But I didn't know about the banking, Kevin O'Leary. That's fascinating. Yeah, I know that. Listen, I went to visit those guys, and I was blown away. And I and I did this when I started to see the wonky policy in New York and Massachusetts and, you know, California, where I'm pulling all my companies out of there because I can't do business because of the regulatory environment and the high taxes. Right. And it was, a, it was a call from Governor Burgum said, why don't you set up here in Fargo? We have the second largest Microsoft campus. Who huh. knew? We're the, we're the largest manufacturers of vaccines in the country. Who knew? We yeah. have our own state sovereign bank. Who knew? I went there and said, okay. <laughs> these guys are open. These yeah. guys are open for business. We're organizing a trip out there. Senator Kramer's organizing a trip. I'm going to go out there, so we're going to get a private plane. Maybe we'll get you to come out there with us. That's terrific. You can kick the tires, Kevin. I got thirty, forty seconds quickly on the stock market in general. What are you thinking? Oh, we're locked. We're in a range. I think the uh, you know the volatility around rates. I think the Fed will go 25 basis points. Everybody thinks they're going to pause. I don't think so. Hmm. The banking crisis is not the crisis people think it is, but we do have core inflation at 6%. I see 25 bips. I think that's going to keep us locked in a range. You know, we'll trade up and down 10, 15%. The best performing asset, ironically, this year has been crypto. I mean, (laughs) you've got to laugh at that, right? I mean, it's just, it's for all the things that people have said about it. You wish you owned more Bitcoin right now. You know, I'm I'm looking at my sheets. You are exactly right. 26,819. Year to date, Bitcoin is up 62.2%. That's fantastic. You are the best of the best. Kevin O'Leary, folks. There is nobody better than Kevin O'Leary. Thank you ever so much. Ah.